Welcome to the Future Humans podcast with Gene Houston and Annalise Smitsman, the co-authors of the Future Humans trilogy. Diane, welcome to our Future Humans podcast. We are delighted and, and just thrilled that you are with us. You're one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Um, for those of you who don't know, Diane Williams is the founder and the president of the Source of Synergy Foundation. And this is an organization that is committed to consciously energizing and synergizing individuals, but not just individuals, but organizations. And uh, she does this by helping people tap into the infinite source of collective potential, not just their own potential, but what happens when people get together and some kind of spiritual power emerges that activates their, their deeper instincts, their deeper ideas, and the willingness to get up and do something about all this. Um, so what she has activated is an incredible worldwide force for global transformation. She was the initiator with Deepak Chopra of one of the main projects, the main projects, the Evolutionary Leader Circle, which Annalise and I are members of. Now, Diane, I remember, I remember being with you during the early, early days of these conversations about at the founding of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle and really acknowledge you and Deborah Moldau for the ways the circle has developed and grown prodigiously since those early days. Because what you do is you, in these circles, these circles are incredible, powerful, magnetic, world activating realities. And all kinds of projects, ideas, the, the genius of the follow through. I mean, a lot of people, I, I know a lot of circles, everybody talks, but often nothing happens. With these circles, all manner of things happen. Diane, you have just returned from a week in Poland, yes? In the historical Auschwitz. Uh, you were with Nina uh, Meyerhoff and others to support the Ukrainian re refugees, especially especially the children. I, I understand that you went to bring teddy bears to the children and funds to support the refugees. Nan, would you please uh, share with us what you saw, what you heard, what you learned, and what you experienced? on that sacred ground. Well, thank you, Jean. Thank you, Annalise, for inviting me to this very special program. It's really an honor to be with you both. And I love you both so much and just honor you for all that you're doing in the world. So yeah, I was in Poland. Um, 11 days, I got back on Sunday. 
Um, I, it all started with a text from Nina <laughs> Meyerhoff. Um, and Nina wrote me and she said she just heard from Fumi Johns, who's from the World Peace Prayer Society, and our friend, uh, Father James Twyman, who's also known as the Peace Troubadour, uh, was on the, between, on the border between Poland and Ukraine, helping the refugees as they come through. And uh, Nina said, do you want to go? I'm thinking of going. And um, I thought about it and I said, yes. And the reason why I said yes was because Nina and I were in a very similar situation during 9-11. She mm. and I uh, were both in New York City. I was living there working, um, doing work with the UN and Nina was visiting for a UN conference as well as some other colleagues. And I was actually practicing for the annual interface service um, of the United Nations. They used to do an interface service to open the General Assembly with the President and the General Assembly and the Secretary General. We were practicing when the plane hit the, the Twin Towers. And um, it was also International Day of Peace on that day. And we were all so struck and uh, we went home and we actually saw people coming up um, with the ash on them. And Nina and I had a phone conversation after that. And we said, we want to help. We want to do something. So we went down to the armory where the families of the victims were trying to go to find out what happened to their loved ones. And we went in with our UN badges. We just said, let's just try to get in with our UN badges, which we did. And um, we noticed that the families were very much in shock, of course, and the children were just wandering around, feeling very scared, not knowing what's going on. So um, Nina and I and some colleagues said, let's create a kid's corner for the children and just give them a safe place where they can draw what they're feeling. And uh, Nina went on TV and said, we also need teddy bears for the children of the victims. And so hundreds of you know, thousands of teddy bears came in from all over the world, including from the children of the Oklahoma City bombing. They um, sent teddy bears with different messages, individual messages for the children of 9-11. And we saw how much this created a sense of love and security uh, for the children. They just needed something to hold on to during this time um, of such uncertainty. And I really saw so much of the power of the human spirit in this armory. Everybody was helping, the firemen, the policemen. They were all together as one human family. So when Nina wrote back just one, you know, two words, teddy bears, when I said, what are you going to be doing? I said, okay, definitely. I want to go because I really saw the power of this exchange, giving a teddy bear to a child. So we went, we landed in Poland and Nina was also part of, she helped to create with Domen Kosovar, a One Humanity Institute, which is sort of in the works in Poland, um, in Oswegen, which is the town where Auschwitz, the concentration camp, um, is housed. And their vision is really to create a city of hope there. And um, so we wanted to also go there and visit and see if there's a way that um, we could help support the families, the refugees that had no place to go um, and uh, there was a possibility of helping to renovate some buildings and bringing about 25 people there so they can have at least uh, transitional housing. So we went with Father James Twyman to the border 
which was right on the border of Ukraine and Poland. And um, it was quite hard to see what was happening because people would walk for days just to get to the border. Some people came on trains, on buses, but women with five children, maybe just one bag that they were able to carry on their way. Um, the Polish people were totally beautiful in how they wanted to help them. They left strollers for the women because they knew they wouldn't be able to take their strollers. The Sikhs were there giving free food out. Um, there was a man that came from Germany with his baby grand piano and wanted people to experience beauty when they came across the border and show that they were loved and cared for. Some of my colleagues actually carried children um, themselves because they were so weak when they came across the border because they didn't eat for days. They were very traumatized. Um, and you could just imagine what it would feel like to have to leave everything behind that gives you security. Your, your husband, your son, your brother, your father, your house, your 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 visions, your dreams. Like there was one young woman that was a doctor and she said, I don't know if I'm ever going to be, a, well, she wasn't, she was a medical student actually, but she wanted to be a doctor. And she said, I have to leave my dreams behind because I don't know if I'm ever going to go home again. And a lot of these people, they experienced their houses being bombed and missiles striking them. And so it was so hard. And especially I think for the children that were confused. So we spent a lot of time um, on the border. We went to shelters. There was actually shopping malls full of people, like thousands of people in every shop, just staying there. They, they brought their animals with them, which was really wonderful to see. There was people caring for the animals as well. And um, so many transitional housing, there was shelters. Um, and yeah, we really had a sense of everybody was taking care of each other. 90% of the Polish people said they would take somebody into their own home, a family into their home and support them. The government of Poland said that for 18 months, they would support the, the Ukrainian uh, refugees with social services. We just saw so much of this power of the human spirit that we saw in 9-11. It was so beautiful. And um, in terms of the children and the teddy bears, I don't know if you saw the movie Life is Beautiful. Roberto Bernini is an Italian film um, with, uh, he was an Italian Jewish man and he was sent to the Holocaust with his little son. And the little son was being walked with the other children to the gas chambers, but he always was afraid of taking showers. So he hid with his father and the father spent the rest of the time when they were in the concentration camp, just trying to make life feel normal for him to feel beautiful and he was the whole time he made it seem like it was a game with the child and the child would win points if he hid and all of that and um so i think that's what we were trying to do just for a little while is to give some semblance of you can be a child um we are here to support you there were teenagers that would just come up to us and say we just need a hug. Like they would look and see the teddy bears and just start crying because they said, we left my, I left my dad there. I don't know what's happening to him. So they were not getting a lot of news um, about their families. So there was really this sense of shock from the displacement, but also on the other hand, the real power of love that we could experience with our fellow human beings. <clears throat>
Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for taking us with you there. So, you know, while I was listening to you, I, that, <laughs> that really grabbed my heart. I really, I really felt what you, what you expressed. And I know for myself, and I know many other people too, you sometimes when you see all of this, you feel almost um, frozen. You want to help, you want to do, you want, you know, you want it to stop. You want this to stop because there is just no justification for these crimes. And, um, and a lot of people want to help. And what you've just shared, I think is so profound, is that you, you give them again this love and beauty. And that as long as there is that beauty, even in the midst of so much despair, it's like then there is still life. I can't imagine what, what it is there, especially for the children to have your life so radically changed and how to come to terms with something that is so unjust and so unfair and then still remain open to a sense of future. And we are here as this is what we are coming together always for is the Future Humans podcast uh, based on our Future Humans trilogy. And that's really to help cultivate uh, in our hearts, in our minds, in our worlds, in our systems, in our cultures, the future potentials of a world that is loving, a world that is alive, alive to life itself, a world that can thrive, a world that works for all. And I know that's also the path that you walked, Ian, um, which is why we feel so close with you as well. <laughs> So while you're there and, and you've seen these horrors, <laughs> in what ways, what did it mean for you there to really be this future human of this greater possibility? And, and how do you feel in this time of darkness, we can best support that right now, support each other in this to, to keep hope and to, to keep that more beautiful world that we know is possible, that we know must, must come uh, alive. So I think you said it, the word hope, and that's what we name the transitional housing, the house of hope. And also we called ourselves a team hope because that's what we wanted to bring was hope to the people that, okay, there's darkness, but there can also be light. And I think it's really important. I know uh, I mentioned this before, but you and I met in Delphi, right? At the, um, at the conference that we went to several years ago. And in the temple of Apollo, it says to know thyself. And I think that is so key right now in these very uncertain times that we have to know who we are. We have to know that we're wired to be kind. We know that our endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, they all go up when we um, display an act of kindness, when we reach out to, to the others, when we live our values, um, when we intervene. I was thinking of um, in your book uh, where Sam is being harassed by these two men and Rose stands up um, for him and says, I believe this stops now, right? It's standing up for each other to challenge those in power but to mainly live our light 
and be those light beings that we are meant to be and not move too far to the other side um, and get too involved in the darkness. And I think of the Nicholas Rorick uh, painting, Mother of the World, do you know that beautiful painting? So it symbolizes the end of the darkness and the beginning of the light. And she has like a hood, a veil over her um, head up to her eyes. So she's actually not really seeing the darkness, but she's in anticipation of the light because she's holding the space for the light. She has her two hands out ready to receive that light. And you see all these beautiful light beings around her helping to usher in this new era, which I think that's what we're all holding this container for is what's to come. And we know that on some levels, the future human already exists within us. It's just waiting to emerge and time's not linear. So we already have that future human. It's just we have to activate more our tools, the knowledge that we have within ourselves. So this sense of communication with the universe and the other beings around, I think, is so important because that's almost like I was thinking of Verdandi and Rose and how they have such a beautiful supportive relationship with each other. And that's just like our relationship could be with the field, with the universe. It's the universe always has our back. And just like Rose and Verdandi, they just had this symbiotic relationship where they support each other, they help each other, they give each other purpose, they exchange. And I think we also have to be able to be there for the children in our lives as they're there for us and they teach us and we teach them. And I think of my nephew, Jace, um, he just turned eight, but for the last few years, he's been asking me questions like, you know, what happens when we die and what is our soul like? And so I think we all have an opportunity to support these little future humans, um, in being all that they could be and being their full potential as well. So, yeah, I just think we have so much opportunity right now. And there's so many ways that we can support others. And um, yeah, it's our time. I mean, if we don't do it now, when, you know, when can we do it? If not now, when? <laughs> exactly. That's I, I'd, like, I'd like to ask you, Diane, because you just said something so startling about these little future humans, <laughs> these children. And also, we, we ourselves, our childs, our children, are we not in the midst of the vastness of shift and change and break down and hopefully break through. Do you think a time like ours actually activates the latency that is within each one of us for evolutionary growth? I, I say this also in, in regard to what you have been doing all over the world with regard to synergy. How does synergy activate spiritual psychological and community growth and where are you with regard to synergy given what you have just seen and participated in yeah i think synergy happens between even if it's just two people so we experience a lot of person-to-person -person synergy in poland because it's true i think these type of experiences help push us to be who we need to be 
because I had to decide uh, if I was going to go or not. And I thought, okay, but if I stay here in the Netherlands, I'm in the Netherlands now, maybe I'd go to my new yoga class. I would do my work like I always do. You know, I would probably cook the same food, (laughs) but it really pushes you out of your typical day-to-day comfort zone when you go into an experience um, that helps you gain the tools that you need to become this future human. So it kind of helps you break through some limiting thoughts or thoughts that, you know, we just have every day. We have different choices to make. We take different actions. We create different intentions. And all of that helps prepare us to be the future human that we have to be. And I think synergy is so key right now because that's what we're going to need. Because when you think about, for instance, we did a synchronized meditation a couple of weeks ago when we were there in Poland. And we know that when people come together, the body typically admits about 20 photons of light per second. And when you meditate together in a group in synergy, it admits and, and focuses on your heart. I don't know if you heard about this study from the University of Kassel, but it emits 100,000 photons per second. So we literally become more light. We're becoming more light because we are synchronizing with other people in a synergistic way. And then we could literally change conditions. We can change matter. We can heal. There's so many things that happen when we come together in a synergistic way. So, and also just, we see so many groups like Unify and Unity Earth, and there's so many of them out there coming together in synergy and saying, we want to transcend our individual agendas and put that into a collective agenda and use all of our gifts to make sure that it's best for the whole. So there's so many people really holding the highest for, for the good of the whole, right? A world that works for all, not just some people, but a world that works for everyone. And I think that is a real, the real miracle of coming together in Synergy. Yes, and I, I love to weave without what you said, because this indeed, the power of the heart and the wisdom of the heart in Return of the Avatars, the second book, we talk about that the key is indeed to develop our future human powers through that wisdom of the higher heart, because it has the highest coherency and therefore it is capable to bring forth this synergy. And in this synergy, as you're speaking about, that's when the collective potential becomes intact, becomes activated, becomes revealed, becomes accessible. And um, when Jean and I were working on book two, we had, there were a lot of visions coming through for what has happened now uh, in this war uh, by the invasion of Ukraine by, by Russia. And you mentioned Sam, uh, indeed, uh, and and you know who was being is being attacked in the book by Eric, and Eric um, represents in the book the giant of domination, the giant of violence. And in fact, what how the story starts is that Fredandi, the grandmother, receives three signs, three omens, that let her know that there will come a time when Rose has to face and confront the giant of domination. And it will come in different forms. It may come when it tries to squash her dreams uh, or through corporate greed, take away her projects and her ideas. 
but she also in the end has to physically face the confrontation um, with this archetype of domination, because Fadani is aware that as we're just at the emergence of this new world, there is gonna be uh, you know, the tentacles of the old, of this old archetype of domination and, and disunity is going to activate and, and try to stop off the birth of, of this new world. And you know that reminds me of what you were saying as well, when we met in Delphi, I remember it was such a powerful moment when we were standing there acknowledging that we were at the end of one civilization and the beginning of a new one. Um, I was sharing with you then that it's like this serpent. It's like we've come to the end of the tail of a serpent as a serpent of one huge, huge, huge cycle. But we are also, as future humans, we are the head of a whole new cycle, of a whole new era. So what it means to be right here now in this transition time, in the closing and completion of one era and the emergence and the birth of a new one, but that we can only really enter this new era if as a humanity, we mature. Because if we remain to be this juvenile species that continues to compete <laughs> and dominate and control and kill for resources and influence and power, we're not going to take our next step in the earth school of life. And so this is, I think, also your vision of evolutionary leadership uh, and how you have been bringing all of us together is so incredibly important because it's also, as a species, our next evolutionary step to say, come on, humanity, it's time for us to mature uh, and to make a conscious choice. And I know that that conscious choice is so alive in you. So you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love for you to, to share a little bit more about that, how, how you find that strength um, in yourself and that direction and that commitment and the creativity that you have. And I know you're also incredibly intuitive. You've, uh, since you were a little girl, you've always been in touch uh, with a deeper spiritual reality of life. And yeah, please <laughs> share with us more about this. Thank you. I think it's a lot about having trust and having experiences of the connection, not only with the unseen realm, but also with each other. I think having everybody on your radar, it's like making a conscious choice every day to walk through life, having everybody on your radar. So for instance, yesterday, there was an elderly lady and she had groceries and she was struggling and she was just kind of looking like somebody helped me. So I went over and I said, even though I had to something to do, I went over and I said, can I help you bring your bags home? And she said, yes, I'm 82 years old. It's really hard to live in this body. She just totally opened up. We had a lovely conversation and I walked her home and helped her with her groceries. So I think it's like to, and it takes you know, every day it takes, okay, what can I do to support the other? So humans, animals, just like again with Sam, you know, there was that intervention, na our nature, the natural world, and just having that sense of, this is my human responsibility. You know, we have a declaration of human rights, but what are our human responsibilities? And I think that's really what's going to help us mature as a species where we say, we have to take responsibility for each other. It's like, and that's what I felt in during 9-11 and also during this experience is that 
you never feel so alive as a human being as you do when you're put in these experiences. And I remember one time there was a, during 9-11, there was a young woman, she was pregnant, she lost her husband, but at that point, nobody wanted to admit that their relatives were probably dead because of the, you know, the 9-11 incident, because they always had hope that they would be found somewhere. They would be, have amnesia, they were in the hospital. But so she knew in her heart that he was gone, her husband. But it was so hard for her to be able to even admit it to herself that he died. And so I remember just she would she came over to where we had the kids corner and she just sat down and she looked really sad and, and defeated. And I remember looking into her eyes and feeling like she was the beloved, you know, like I love this person so much that there was no separation between us. And had that experience a few times also in Poland um, on the border with the refugees. And I think we hold back our love or we just give our love to our family or, you know, the people that are closest to us or the people that kind of align with, you know, how we believe. But to really make that a practice, this open heart practice and really look into something. Because I was, when I was in Poland, I, I tried to look into everybody's eyes really deeply. And, you know, the children were, but I really wanted to see them. And I wanted us to lock eyes because I think that's almost like a, a transmission of love. Like, I see you, I love you, like an avatar, you know, I see you. And I think that is so key um, in terms of where we go as a species, because if we don't have this love in our heart and walk around with this type of love in our eyes for each other, you know, how are we going to make it? How are Diane, we going to transcend? Do you know who you are and what you are? You are a teddy bear. <laughs> well, I mean that in the best possible way. You really are a teddy bear because you contain the uh, unquestionably, uncompromised, utterly available loving support i mean what does teddy bear do <laughs> Love, support and above all the willingness to go the road with whoever you're with and to be there as the one who recognizes their full humanity and comes on the waving tide of kindness so that they can grow they can release the fears and to an extent that they can and take on the next quality, the, the emerging, evolving quality of life. And that's what you do. I mean, I've known you for many, many years, and I would have to say this is true. And it was this whole teddy bear uh, experience was an incredible um, symphony of, of the announcement of the prophetic moment that this is where we have to go next. Everything you've just said was a summary of the new possibility of the life that awaits beyond the, the, the veil of confusion and horror. This is who you are. 
all this work of synergy, all these years, it's turned you into a teddy bear. <laughs> and speaking of teddy bears, I'll show you her two teddy bears. <laughs> I took two home with, with me. <laughs> uh, uh, These are two that we, we gave out. Oh, I is, love their smiles. <laughs> yeah, so we actually gave them. Um, the Vermont Teddy Bear uh, Company donated these, and this was the Build-A-Bear Company. So these were the ones we were giving the kids. And then we bought a lot in Poland because we wanted to support the, the local economy as well. Um, but I felt like I wanted to bring two home with me as a, a remembrance of all of the children. And hopefully they will have those bears for the rest of their lives. I know I have my teddy bear that I got when I was a baby still. And... Um, you know they'll they'll have that as a reminder that people really do care about them in their in their situation. Thank you so much. Yes, and also what I'm hearing from you in your wisdom is that when we remain available to what is required and needed in that moment, there is a wisdom in us that will guide to know the appropriate action. Like the elderly lady you helped yesterday, yet like knowing when to go to Poland, like at nine eleven. So. What I'm hearing from you as well is that if you trust your heart, <laughs> you trust that wisdom of the higher heart, it, it will guide you in, in the appropriate actions. And that in trusting that and acting upon it, we are ourselves in our humanity empowered, enriched, um, and we find resources within ourselves and within our humanity that we may never known that we have had. And when I listen to you, that gives me also such hope. It's, that gives uh, strength. And I think that for everyone who's watching and listening with us, this is really important because a lot of people are asking, what do I do with what is going on? What can I do? How can I support? And maybe as a, as a final message to everyone here, um, what do you feel is, is the most supportive way that we can stand around not only the people in Ukraine, but also those rising up in Russia right now? Um, uh, some of my Russian friends are really doing whatever they can um, to get the, the right news out there and to stand up. So uh, there is an oppression and, and, and a violence happening in both countries. Um, so to really... And deeper than that, these are human patterns that are really revealing you know, what we need to shift as a species. So, so as, a, as a final word of, of your wisdom, would you like to share? Yeah, I think it's very personal how people feel that they want to support. I mean, some people give donations. There's one humanity.institute, Nina's organization, that's doing the alternative to Auschwitz, the city of hope. But also I, I noticed that when I was there, I thought, okay, I really want to use what I believe in, which is the power of, you know, my imaginal mind, the power of my thoughts, my action, my choices, the fact that I know that intentions work. Um, so I would actually visualize everybody that was coming over to Poland from Ukraine, having a, a positive scenario. So whether it's they wound up staying in the country because maybe it's hard for them to go back or they go back home. I was really sitting in meditation almost on a daily basis and imagining a happy ending for them because we know when we do that, 
that's when everything starts to, you know, work in its place and, and gets realized. So I think that's really important. I think, you know, I've been really touched by the stories of the, even the, the Russian soldiers and the Ukrainian mothers wanting to help them, offering them soup, offering them to use their cell phone to call their mothers. So I think anytime, as we were saying earlier, when we do an act of kindness, that has a ripple effect that goes out into the world. So maybe you can't physically be there, but you can do an act of kindness wherever you are, and that will support them as well. Of course, we know prayers, as we were saying earlier, synchronized meditation, helping um, a young person realize their potential. I think trying to work with organizations that are doing um, creating peace in the world in any way that you can, whether it's as a volunteer, um, having peaceful thoughts ourselves, um, creating peaceful actions. We know that it only takes 3.5% of the population to create a shift on the planet. So come together in synergy with others that want to create peace and really hold the light and focus on building structures the new and not so much breaking down the old because the old's just going to break down as we know it's going to happen soon but if we start even education structures like wouldn't it be wonderful if children were teaching children as opposed to one person just distilling all the ideas in their minds we the economy what does it look like for everybody to have what they need in the world and not some people without so focus if you're interested in the economy focus on building the new for the economy politics do we really need us versus them i mean i know gene and i um, are from the united states this democrats republicans you know it just doesn't work that we see other countries that have coalition governments and that works really well i mean we have the united nations that's not a perfect body but at least it's the world trying to work together so i think whatever is your niche, whatever is your lane in life, there's a way that you can support this situation, even though maybe it seems like it's far away and sometimes we get overwhelmed. What can we really do? There's so many different things that we could do in our own lives that will help the situation at large. This is so perfect, <laughs> what you say. And it brings us then into the forward movement We've been talking also about 9-11 as, as a parallel. Um, I had a ticket. I was supposed to be on flight 93, mm. but there was too much traffic and I missed the plane. Oh, wow. I never yeah. told anybody about that. But what happened to me afterwards, knowing it was as if I had died. <laughs> Something in me just was part of the dust that happened. But then the dust began to come together and where there were fallen buildings, there were new structures. They didn't look like the old buildings. They had, there was a lot of greenery. There was a lot of dancing and singing and music, I remember. And I was not, a, I was supposed to be teaching. I couldn't teach. I couldn't do anything because <coughs> I was in this next story. So I would ask you then, given what you have seen and lived and worked, that is now a continuity not only of your own history, but of the history of humankind, and certainly of the new human, the potential human, the future human. 
Would you just let it unroll for us? What do you see? I see people saying enough is enough. You know, that um, like Sam, again, our little <laughs> um, teacher, because it's not, people look, now we have internet, it's not like World War II. We see what's happening. It's just not the new humanity. It's mm -hmm. just, it's something that's dying. And the world is recognizing it. There's like 142 countries that came out against this Russian invasion at the United Nations. It's, it's not acceptable anymore. We want to be the full human. We want to be whole. We want to utilize our, the power of our heart and our souls. I know the, the man that wrote Life is Beautiful, he said to laugh and cry comes from the same part of the soul. And it's so true. So we want to feel as much as we can feel, but we want to heal as much as we can heal as well. And I think that's what's happening now. There's a real healing because we're saying this is not what it means to be human. We have to just step it up and in order for us to be able to survive and thrive and have a, a future, just period of future, we really need to, to shift the course right now and be all that we are meant to be. We have so many amazing powers within us that we just barely scratch the surface. It would be wonderful if children understood who they really are because if they did, there'd be no stopping them. I mean, they would come up with innovations that can climb, that could solve climate change and heal global pandemics. We wouldn't even have global pandemics because we would love the animals so much that we wouldn't put them in little cages in, in Wuhan um, and um, you know, treat them so disrespectfully. So I think once we just step into who we really are, and this is what I think you know your books are about, is this future human self that we have within us. It's just waiting to come out. It's waiting for the right people like Dean Houston and Anna Lucinus <laughs> um, to say that there's more. You know, we don't have to settle for life as it is. There is like a whole amazing universe like waiting for us to to really activate and we can do it. We just have to come together in synergy and say, we're going to hold the space for this. And then I believe that it will happen. And you are the living testimony that it is happening. So this is the, the perfect note. Thank you so much to Diane to, to complete Thank it. You. Thank you. Yes. For everything you've shared with us for being the future human you are <laughs> and reminding us that we walk this path together. Jean, would you like a, a closing note of your wisdom as well? Well, I've heard so much wisdom. <laughs> I tell you who has the closing note. It's your son. My dog started to talk, so that's already the animal kingdom. <laughs> but what would your son, Manos, say about this and about where we are. <laughs> you would say, mommy, make it fun as well, okay? Then we're all going to play. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, that's he would job. bring the magic of play into it. He'd say, let's, right. let's do playfully. 
and he would go to the codes of the game and change those and say, "Of these games don't work, stop, stop doing it like that. Do it in a better way, <laughs> because we can." <laughs> because we can. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Manos, <laughs> for reminding us of joy. 